0: Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 through 17. Beginning to read with verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Hear now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night, and wash your feet, then you may rise early, and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him, and entered his house. Then he made them a feast, and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known the man. please. Let me bring them out to you, that you may do to them as you wish. But do nothing to these men, since, they, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. And they said, "The well, no one wants no to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse than you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot. And came near to breaking down the door but the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door and they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness both great and small so that they became weary trying to find the door then the men said to Lot have, have, have you anyone, anyone else here uh, son-in-law your sons your daughters have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city, But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife uh, and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. The Lord be merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere on the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. May the Lord bless this reading to our good understanding. Let's pray momentarily. Our Father and our God, we pray that you would give us a clear, good understanding of this passage, that we might apply it to our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure you've turned to this text many times before in your life, and you've perhaps heard sermons on this passage. It's a famous passage having to do with uh, the Lord's uh, the finding of homosexuality, sodomy, as it's called in the Bible, uh, repugnant, to the life that we ought to lead. This is very controversial today because whenever societies begin to decline, they repeatedly seize upon these ancient sins as if they're novelties and new things. Uh, They are simply signs that God has withdrawn his presence and his blessing from uh, a certain society. But uh, you've probably never considered this passage in the light of family life and family health. And when you look at it in that light, it, it, a, it gives you a whole new uh, view of the kind of revelation and information the Bible can give us. And so I, I uh, invite you to, to come with me on this journey into this story and evaluate it and think about it from the perspective of, Of the family we've been looking at this uh, in terms of a longer series here of uh, the families in the Bible and uh, so I invite you to come come with me and uh, look at this now uh, the great enemy of our faith is our uh, indolence that's a good word Uh, indolence or laziness indolence means a laziness that uh, we can have toward the Lord. And this passage really warns us about that and urges us to to take up our faith and to work out our own salvation, fear, and trembling, as it says in Philippians chapter 2. And in the background of this passage, we have the... Um, These two men, Abraham and Lot, looming large. This is a story that focuses upon Lot. But all that we read about Lot, we cannot distract ourselves from reminding ourselves that there was another famous man that was alive back then and was working and very important to the covenant community, and that was Abraham, the father of Israel, the father of the covenant families that became known as Israel. Um, And really, as he has talked about in the New Testament, the father of faith. Galatians and Romans both deal with Abraham as the paradigm of faith, even though he lives way long ago in the Old Testament. uh, um, and, And even though Paul talks a lot more about faith in the New Testament, Abraham is this archetype model of the faithful man. And so when we look at Lot in his life, we cannot... We cannot lose or forget the fact that he's he's there. He's living his life, but he's living his life in contrast, in a sense, to Abraham. When you think, when you when you see what Lot has done, what, what Lot is doing, God is dealing with Lot, you ask yourself the question, well, what was Abraham doing? How was Abraham behaving? How was God behaving with Abraham? So you see these two families, these two men, and their families were greatly affected by the way that they were living. Now, um, we remember the background of this passage is that they were under some duress that as the people of Abraham, the men of Abraham and the men of Lot, they were under some duress because there was pressure on the pasture land where they were living, they were in the hill country, and there was agricultural pressure upon them because of the, the scarcity of food for the animals. And so they they had a consultation about this, and they they, they decided that they have to would have to divide up. And a Lot says a Lot looked at the land, and he, he saw that the valley, the Jordan Valley, was much more fertile than where they were. And so even though that even though other people had already seen that and they set up establishments there and villages and farms and that sort of thing in that area. But Lot went to this more established area uh, mainly because it looked good uh, to his eyes, his economic eyes, and, uh, the eyes of a, a businessman. So he went in that direction. Lot was already a, a, a rather rich man, like Abraham, but he made this decision. Now the problem was that in these in this in these valley communities, there was an ease of life. That was different. That was more easy. And when when human beings have it a little bit more easy, they almost always incline themselves to laxity, indolence, as I said, laziness. Uh, We all desire to live the easy life. And after we were expelled from the Garden of Eden, we all would kind of like to get it back inside the Garden of Eden without having to do too much work to get there. And so... um, uh, lot uh, this is this is lot's choice now the first thing we see in terms of the sermon outline is that mm, that lot's that lot's life at this point became characterized by half measures by half measures in other words you can take a measuring stick and you can measure a full yard or a full foot and you can say well that's that's the that's what a foot is or that's what a yard is but you can, also, you can also just say, well, I don't really need to build, build my house uh, 40 feet by 40 feet or something like that that's a little bit larger. I will, uh, I will cut it down. I'll just do the, the, the least that I can do or the least that I have to do. Those are called half measures. Maybe not doing the thing that you ought to do, doing the thing that's the hardest to do, but doing the thing by a half. And so that's what we see in Lot's life. Now, we see this in verse 1. It says, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Now, throughout this text, they're called men. Uh, But uh, we see right away that we're tipped off that these these are angels who appear as men. And yet they have angelic powers and angelic abilities. When they blinded the men at the door when they brought down fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah, see where they were endowed in a way by the Lord, which was much greater than any normal human being is. But, uh, and, and we see from the very beginning that they were two angels that did that. But it says, when they came to Sodom in the evening, it says Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now, when you sit in the gate of one of these ancient cities, it means that you are like an elder or not like an elder, you are an elder of the city. So here was uh, here was Lot. <clears throat> he had moved to this area uh, for uh, his economic livelihood, and um, we know that he had many good qualities to himself. And it appears that he had been rewarded for this by being elected to be one of the elders who would sit in the gate. But the problem is, as this story goes on, and as we see Lot's failures, as we see God's justice and God's vengeance falling upon Lot, we realize that he was a gifted man who was able to do many things, and he was able to rise up in a a social way to achieve a kind of prominence in the community. But we ask ourselves, what did he do about it? And worse, when the men got so, when the men of the village got so uh, corrupt that they would come out at the, at the very visiting or new visitation of some strangers to the village, the men and the boys of the village would come out uh, to uh, attack them uh, sexually, carnally, as the Bible says. What kind of what kind of people were these? And then, then the question, because back, what was Lot doing? Second uh, Peter uh, two seven says that the the righteous Lot calls him righteous, which at least means that he was outwardly covenantal, living by the covenant outwardly. That the righteous Lot was vexed day and night by living in this area in the city with all of these sodomite inclined people, and. We ask ourselves, well, "What did this add up to? Why, how could he? What did it mean if he was vexed? vexed if, if his soul was tormented by the wickedness around him, why didn't he do more about it?" There's no indication in the Bible that Lot preached to these people. You see, we can live in we can live in evil places. We can live in uh, decadent areas, and today, in, in the sense, in the West. That's Western Europe and America, Canada, South America. There is there's a tremendous amount of corruption and decadence all around us. Well, when we live in these areas, we, we ought not just live passively. Of letting the culture around us preach to us or hold sway over us. We can live in these places, especially when there are not many alternatives <coughs> Where there are alternatives, though, we can take them. And Lot could have taken, Lot could have moved to Sodom and then decided it just wasn't worth it. He could have thought about his children and his children's children and thought, even though it was harder back with Abraham, even though my men were unhappy by their pasture lands, yet it was more blessed back there. Sometimes the way of blessing is the way of deprivation. And sometimes the way of excess or outward blessing is the way of inner deprivation. And so Lot could have made these decisions. He could have decided. Or if he lived in Sodom, he could have become a a great field preacher, or a great street preacher in Sodom. Railing out. And uh, you you say, well, 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 the people of Sodom, they might have done this or that. Yes, that would have been a blessed thing. If, If the people of Sodom had rebelled and reacted against this preaching, this exhortation of Lot, which he didn't do, uh, then he could have left then, but he would have played the man. He would have done the good thing. He would have made a good witness. What the Lord hates, as He tells us when He talks about the seven churches of Revelation. What the Lord hates are, are uh, Christians who live in places like this and just do nothing. Their neighbors say something and they don't. Uh, they don't reply. Just uh, a week ago. One of the neighbors with whom I'm friendly with, he, he he said something about the abortion thing, and he said he he uh, he, he realized that uh, there was a certain sanctity to women's bodies, and that we shouldn't interfere. And uh, I could have just said nothing right away. Though I said, well, "What about the baby The bodies of the babies? <laughs> you know, what about the, their sanctity?" Uh, I I, know, I just said I will test, testify or witness. I said I'm I'm concerned for them, and I I just I. It, bewilders me how people can kill these little babies. You know that you normally, when something is less powerful, we consider the sin associated with those little things more aggravated. Why is it? How, how wicked can we be as Americans? Not only are we killing each other in places like Chicago, and now Buffalo, New York, yesterday. How wicked can we be when we uh, when we attack the least strong, the weakest elements of the the babies who are in utero. And, uh, and wickedly tear them apart and destroy them. It's so grisly. It's unbelievable that sophisticated modern people can do this with a sense of impunity, carelessness, and even righteousness. Many of the women of America consider this almost like a sacrament. I must have the right to abort Children or I, I'm less than a woman. how, how wicked and, and indolent uh, can that be And yet uh, uh, that is the way things are. So uh, lots, lots of life was marked by these half measures. He, on one hand he was a righteous man. on one hand he was sitting at the gate as an elected representative of the people. Yet, when we ask the question, "What was he doing?" we'd have to say almost nothing. Almost nothing. We see some of this in the second point that I raise here uh, with uh, Lot's paralysis. He, we see as soon as these angels come into the city, he is alarmed. You can see it in verse two and three. Uh, when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them. Right he bows himself with his face to the ground, he said, Here now, uh, please turn into your servants' house and spend the night. Wash your feet, then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the open square. <laughs> Lot, you can just see the temperature rising. He says, But he insisted strongly. So they turned, to, it, t- turned into him and said, why did Lot insist so strongly because he knew of the wickedness of the city he knew his neighbors he didn't preach to them, he preach to them but he did know the, the wickedness of uh, their lives their lives And if he was so worried why abide inside of him, inside of him? Why, was he, why was he so worried about these men these visitors well he knew how wicked the people were around him now the, the issue is here that we will grow in the the um in the direction of our inclinations. This is what was happening in Sodom. They had ungodly inclinations, and they were growing worse and worse and worse in these ways. Now the question is, what are our inclinations? What are your inclinations? You can answer that better than than I. You know your own heart. You know the things that you're drawn to. Your life will go in the direction of your inclinations. Your inclinations are like a shepherd that are leading you this way and that. The problem is that Lot's life, he was he was following to the best of our abilities to see through the scriptures. He, he was following the money. He wanted to to have an easy life or an easier life rather than a harder. He was not about to sacrifice for righteousness sake, or for the kingdom of God. And so his inclinations were were pulling him. And when you look at this, when you evaluate the whole of Lot's life, you can see how here here he was a wealthy man. He was a productive man in many ways, in the ways of the world, the ways of culture. But in the ways of the Lord, he was really deficient and decadent, and his life really added up to nothing. Where did he worship? He probably had house worship. There was nowhere else in Sodom to worship, so he was dependent upon his own um, resources. And he no doubt had many good memories of the things he'd learned from Abraham from before, but those were not acted out. He, in his, his pacifism, he became a victim. Of the community and the culture in which he lived. We see, th- thirdly, we see that this reached critical mass uh, as these angels visit. Because uh, the men of the, the, the village or the city, in verse 7, they press in upon him. And in verse 7, uh, we see the terror of the situation reach its ugly head verse 7, they say to, they, they surround the house, and um, uh, this is in verse 5 at the end, they say, where are the men who came with you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Who is so gross and so forward as to talk that way about honored visitors who come to your town? But... Um, Lot, because of all that went into this, because of the development of his life to that, to that moment, Lot was, uh, was uh, incapable of dealing with the situation or coming up to meet the situation as he needed to meet it. And so the situation took control of him. And it's just utterly horrible. In verse 7, uh, the only thing that Lot can come up with, the only remedy that he can think of, is to take his virgin daughters. Who now this is part of the this is part of the mystery of the text here. In in verse fourteen, it says Lot spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters. Well, here we find out in verse um, um, uh, verse uh, six that they were still uh, virginal daughters. They, so what what this is is that they were. The word "married," the Bible translates as "married." Uh, they, they 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 had this view of engagement that, or a spousal, where you're, you 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 uh, are pledged to somebody in marriage, but you have not actually married yet. And um, that is the evidently that is the state that his two daughters were. They both had suitors who were to marry them. Now, who were these people? They were the men of, the men of Sodom. They were the men who, when Abraham or when Lot uh, urged them to come out with him, they laughed, they thought it was a joke, the Bible says. So, yes, the girls had somebody to marry, but it wasn't good news. It was like a, a catastrophe waiting to happen. All of this had happened because Lot had moved to Sodom, and Lot had not made any uh, uh, redemptive or... Um, Remedial measures to clean her to cleanse his family or to redirect his family from this place, and so here they are they're in the city the, the men the men of Sodom are, have surrounded the house they are in a mob frenzy. They're obsessed. This is a psychological state where people have really lost their ability to think right. they are driven by the lusts of their heart for for this or that. It can be something sexual, it can be monetary, whatever. Beware. When you you get a sense that you are being obsessed with something, turn back from it. It's never a good thing. So the men of the village, the men of the city, had surrounded Lot's house. They're obsessed with these men. And Lot's only thought is to take these virginal daughters from his house and put them out the door. Unbelievable. Simply unbelievable. So that here is Lot, the righteous man, in quotes, who was reduced to the greatest decadence imaginable. How or why? How did this happen? Halfway measures! a failure to really seek after righteousness, to press into the kingdom of God. This, brothers and sisters, can be our lot too. I stand before you to warn you. I stand before myself. I preach to myself. It's the same with all of us. We must be serious about the Lord or we can be destroyed. We can destroy ourselves. Just because you've walked for 30 or 40 or 50 years with the Lord in open covenant doesn't mean that you can't become like Lot. And suddenly have your half-measures catch up with you. And so, um, you know, it, it would have been far more righteous for Lot to board up the house, you know, make a make a fort out of it, get what weapons he had, and just to say, well, if you want to come in, if you want to lose your life, come on in. But you're not going to get these men, and there's, there's going to be no other... You know, his daughters would not have even been mentioned. It would have been much more righteous for Lot to perish that night in a military-like tobacco. But have them all die together and then all go to the Lord together. That would have been infinitely preferable. to The idea of pushing his virginal daughters out the door to be processed by these lustful men. Just unbelievable. But like I say, this happened because it was the culmination of what had passed in Lot's life. This was Lot's family reaching crisis because of decisions and mindsets that Lot had. What are the what are our mindsets when it comes to our families? What are our mindsets? Are we are we simply going? Are we just going with the current of the culture, or are do we? Do we just want to be as unobstructive, uh, peaceful as with the world as we can be? See, the the Lord does not look upon this as a good thing. The Lord wants us to uh, preach to the world. He wants us to message the world. He doesn't want us to just uh, be peaceful or save ourselves. He wants us to live for him, even if it involves some danger to ourselves. And so, um, fourthly, we see that God's wrath had both near- and long-term consequences. Immediately, we see God's wrath come out with the blindness that the angels smote these people that had surrounded the house. They were blinded. They could not see. It they, they, they was like, I remember a, a couple times in my life, I've woken up in a motel room, having to go to the bathroom at night and with no light. And I think, oh, Dick, you are in trouble. You have no idea where you are. It was like on a black cube, and, uh, you know, just struggling to find some railing or some door or some wall that you can identify uh, because you didn't put enough thought into this the night before. That's the way the men were of of Sodom when this happened. That was the immediate uh, judgment that was upon them. But then there was the fire and the brimstone when the angels brought this down upon the cities homosexuals today, the homosexual community today, refuses, refuses to take this story as a warning to them. If you talk to them, it's amazing, the justifications. I've had many of them say to me, well, the real sin of Sodom was that they were, it wasn't the sodomy, it wasn't the homosexuality, it wasn't the lustfulness, it was their anger. They, 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 They were going to kill these men. Well, you can run with that all day long if you want, but you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, God God has only opened the heavens a couple times in this world, once under the days of Noah when it rained, on this occasion when fire and brimstone came down from heaven, called by the angels uh, under the clear permission and uh, command of God that these cities would be uh, destroyed, Because God wanted humankind to know that when he created man, male and female, that was his idea. When he created men, male and female, that they could marry. That they could have children. That was part of his plan. And when you tinker with any part of that design, you are living in abject rebellion against God and his wisdom and his goodness and his might and his power. But that's what we get so often in the... In the um, community, the Sodomite community today, and they're, they're utterly um, heaped up in their, their sense of righteousness, even as they are living in the midst of this great decadence. Uh, that was the second part of God's wrath. And then the third part was the what happens to Lot and his, his daughters. They're driven off. Uh, they're living in a cave. Why he didn't go back and try to find Abraham and live with live with him? Who knows? It's just utter. It's part of the confusion, the spiritual confusion that results from our bad choices in life. But when you find yourself in the place of Lot, it's a it's a bad place to be. It's a bad day because it is. It's hard to find solutions when your life has collapsed down around you. Uh, rather be like psalm 1' walk in the ways of the lord respect god's laws respect god's deity. deity cultivate that and he says you will live you will be like green trees beside rivers of living water and uh the twenty third psalm says that the, the, the lord like a good shepherd will lead us here and there into pasture lands rich pasture lands and well uh, quiet streams that would by which we could refresh ourselves, but that comes if we seek the Lord. In Lot's case, he he did not, and so he's in this cave with his daughters, and then it's just one debacle after another. The daughters say, "Well, who are we going to? How are we going to have children anymore? We we could, you know, that, that their minds were so confused they didn't think. Well, find Abraham, he, all of his people. There are men there, the young men there that are looking to get married. And they would probably considered an honor to marry." Uh, into the family of his nephew, but no, they didn't think that. They thought, "Let us, let us have uh, carnal relations with our father and have children that way." And we're told at the very la- the very last passage of this chapter, verses uh, 36 and 37, says, "Now thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The first the firstborn bore a son and named his name Moab." He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger, she also bore a son and named his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of of the people of Ammon to this day. So Israel had two great enemies all through the Old Testament, the Moabites and the Ammonites. You see, these uh, these, uh, bastardized children uh, of incest became antagonists to Israel. It just the, the story just goes on and on in terms of its negative effects. So whether the blindness at the door, the, the fire and the brimstone, or the corruption of the race there with the Ammonites or the Ammonites and the Moabites, we see that God's wrath will not uh, endure this kind of half-heartedness and then this kind of wickedness that befell Adam. I mean, befell Lot. So our only number part five here, our point five, our only hope. Our family's only safety, the only way you can find safety for your family, is covenant fidelity with Christ, like Abraham, to mimic Abraham and not lie. And this passage is such a graphic illustration of what can happen in societies just like ours today. Brothers and sisters, there are a thousand temptations out there. There are a, a thousand seducers out there. Many of them live in the universities of our land. They thrive there. That's why we're working on this Christendom College idea. The world and uh, the the devil loves to seduce us and our children. It's not hard to be uh, confronted or exposed to those kinds of influences. The only only alternative is to be someone of a peculiar people. To be a little bit odd. To be a little bit slow. To be a little bit this or that. Because you don't fit in with the, the the fast crowd of our society. Who would seduce you and ruin your life. Let's close in prayer. Our Father and our God, we pray that we might see Christ in the life of Abraham. And that we might see Christ as the alternative. That lot wasted by his living in the valley. Bless us, O Lord, with a love for thee. Bless us with a love for thee through Christ, who is the only one by which we can, or by whom we really can love you, O Father. We must have redemption. We must have forgiveness. We must have righteousness, alien righteousness, righteousness not of our own, but righteousness which is... Proposed for us by that only begotten Son, even Jesus Christ. Bless us then, O Lord. Help us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Do not give us over to indolence and laziness. Help us to be ready to pay a price. Uh, It's far better to uh, be a a, a uh, a guard, a a gatekeeper at the house of the Lord and to have all kinds of worldly riches. Give us this perspective, O Lord. Help us to be people of the long view and not the short view. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.